0: Welcome to the Realtors Land Institute podcast, the Voices of Land, the industry's leading land real estate organization. Hello everyone, this is Justin Osborne, accredited land consultant with the Wells Group Real Estate Brokerage in Colorado and New Mexico. I'd like to thank you for tuning in today to RLI's The Voice of Land podcast, sponsored by the Land LandU Education Program. Today, we're going to be talking with Aaron Graham, accredited land consultant and president of National Land, LLC. He has some valuable expertise to share with us today on what he sees in the future of the land brokerage industry. Thank you for being here, Aaron.
1: Hey, thanks, Justin. Glad to be with you.
0: Aaron, how long have you been in the land business?
1: Oh, let's see. I think my first year was 2004, so I'm, I'm pushing 16 years or so now in the business. Well,
0: and you've probably just seen a little bit of change in those 16 years, I would imagine, as far as what you were selling <laughs> and the way you were selling it 16 years ago compared to kind of the way you're doing it today.
1: No doubt. I mean, none of us can deny the the impact the technology is had in our industry and certainly on our everyday lives. But I think that's still the, the number one thing that is uh, continually evolving and changing and changing the way we do business. Um, you know, heck what we thought was modern and creative and forward thinking, you know, five years ago um, may not even be applicable in what we're doing today. And it's, it's. uh part of my objective and in, uh, in what I want to be able to deliver to at the RLI conference is to discuss, you know, certainly we don't have a, a crystal ball as to what this business is going to look like a decade from now. But um, I think there's some things we can look at to make some reasonable predictions uh, to help us um, stay in this business and um, still be productive in it.
0: Yeah. It's definitely difficult if our listeners don't have an open mind and a a flexible mindset when they're conducting their business. Uh, what would you say is kind of some of the the biggest ways you and, and your group has embraced uh, the changes in technology
1: the past few years? Well, I think just what you'd said about flexibility. I mean, we've actually established that as one of our core values in our company because we believe it's that important. You know, just like I was mentioning, um, we, we can't use a template from 10, 20 years ago of how this business, uh, in order to be successful in this business, how you do it, and I think that's probably first and foremost. Um, with just as many rapid changes that have, are coming our way, that uh, it's really critical that we we keep a a flexible, open. We also call it a coachable mindset. Um, simply because it's you're in order to uh, what I'm saying as survive and thrive um, in this business moving forward, we really have to be able to adapt and to adjust.
0: Yeah. I like hearing that word coachable. You know, I, I remember one time I was watching a podcast or a, um, a video of the great, uh, Lou Holtz that was coaching. And he said, you know, I've coached uh, a lot of people, but the ones that are open-minded and actually open to being coachable are the act- most fun that I like to have on the team.
1: Yeah. One of my old NFL coaches, Carl Mock, I'll never forget him telling me, he, he told me, Aaron, the great ones adjust. And I've never forgot that because he basically was telling me the ones who really, really do well in the NFL and hang around a long time. They can you can change the game plan. You can change the direction that we are going as a team. Um, and they're the first ones to jump on board and to buy in.
0: I love it. That'll be a bumper sticker. The great ones adjust. That's awesome, man. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of adjusting, what changes are you going to kind of see that the the land agents need to be able to adjust to over the next decade in our business?
1: Oh, man, where do you where do you start? Right. I mean, when you, you step back and you look and you, you say, you know, what has changed over the previous decade, certainly with the uh, presence of internet and how much internet marketing we're relying on the numbers of buyers and sellers that are coming through us through the internet um you know you think about things like you know we, we weren't we didn't know the word you know blogging or vlogging or drones or um, artificial intelligence and all of these things have become parts of our everyday business and um You know, certainly there's going to be new stuff that's going to be coming on the horizon. But um, I I think when you step back and you look at it, you know, this this business is uh, there's a lot more digital technology that's impacting how we're creating our our opportunities, how we're interacting with our our buyers, sellers. Um, But when I look at it, uh, at the end of the day, you know, the industry is going to change to whatever the clients and customers want right and what i mean by that is when i see um and it's not just in in the land brokerage business certainly this is impacting being impacted all over the country regardless of what what industry you're in but where people's expect change expectations are are today is that you know whatever pain point is being created and whatever they are doing um, that is where the opportunity lies. And I think as land professionals, we have to look at it and say, well, we can't do business just because that's the way we we always have done business. Um, it's, of course, you can always throw the Uber example out that we never thought, you know, we just love riding around in stinky cabs and there was never an option that could disrupt an industry uh, as much as something like that. But I think we, we just got to be, um, we've got to be looking at all parts of what we do on a daily basis and where the people who are working with um, their expectations may change. Uh, we, 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 we think uh, the re- from the residential side, which I've, I've certainly followed, cl- followed very closely, um, watching how much disruption has taken place in, in their industry, that uh, we just figured that we would always want a real estate agent to be able to show us homes and um, how much that has been impacted through not only technology but just different platforms that are out there and so i think what what is important though is that those are some scary conversations to say well um you know we've got to be able to continue to show our value to our clients and and i honestly believe that we're going to win that at the end of the day Um, i just think we've got to be smart enough to be able to look and see what technologies are making the greatest impacts, and if that's what our client really wants to be able to to, to utilize, um, we need to support it and not run away from it. Well, those are
0: some great points, and there certainly has been a lot of change in the, the residential real estate industry just the past few years. What type of correlation, if any, do you see that having with the uh, the land market and the land
1: land industry? Well, I think you you see a lot of you know these new platforms, whether it's eye buying, which is a new term for some people, where um, properties are being offered on on uh, residences are being offered into a space where people can come in and and um, and purchase them um, without a professional involved. And um, again, I'm I'm not going to be the one promoting saying that that's what we're what we want, obviously, in our industry. I think we just need to be uh, cognizant of the fact that there are gonna be some of the services and parts of our services that we provide that um, we may not be um, required to do uh, in the future. And I I love looking at the residential side to kind of provide a template for us because they're moving at such a, a quick pace um with billions of dollars in behind supporting you know some of these groups and whether or not if it's a discount model that has been put out there and that's why we how we kind of looked at some of these things is you know the um, whether if it's redfin or compass and some of these that our, our, our listeners may have may have heard of you know 10 years ago 15 20 years ago even you could have easily defeated that well now I was just saying, look, those are discount models. Those are things that um, have been tried and have never succeeded. And now you're seeing those companies who have changed the way they're doing business. Um, And in some areas, um, they've completely taken over um, the residential business in some, some communities and cities. And so from that perspective, again, we just need to be aware of why that is happening, is not simply because they're offering a discounted fee, and a lot of cases that may be, but they're offering something that residential buyers and sellers are wanting. And I think we can glean a lot from uh, what to, we're seeing these residential companies uh, doing so that we can um, modify and adapt our land brokerage businesses uh, similarly.
0: Yeah, I think we definitely do need to make sure we're constantly being willing to modify and adapt and you know a lot of times I'm talking to my guys about added value. You know, there's there's a lot of realtors in our area, uh but there's not hardly any that are providing the level of service and handholding that we're providing our clients, especially our rural land clients. And so I think it's important that the listeners realize there is a lot of added value that you can offer your clients, whether that's a seller or a buyer, to separate yourself from the competition and What would you have to say about that, Aaron, about kind of conversations you've had with with your with your team about adding value to y'all 's clients
1: well it is our our number one priority um at this stage because it's just we as I was sharing earlier, there's, there's been a lot of changes, there'll be, uh, continue to be a lot of changes. We've all are learning more about AI, artificial intelligence, um, and we're, 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 there are certain aspects that as, our, as the industry continues to evolve, but whether if it's critical thinking or emotional intelligence, or even creativity, those are things that artificial intelligence are never gonna be able to replace. And I think we can learn a lot. Um, like I said, not even from just our industry, but other industries that are that are being impacted, uh, and dialing in on truly understanding what it is, where our value lies to our customers and clients. That's not going to change. It's not going to go away. And I think we've got a uh, we've got a challenge ahead of us in defending our reputations, um, understanding how many people and services out there now with the, the power of the internet and social media um, and how important it is for us to be able to uh, protect our, our, our brands. And um, that becomes an, an important aspect of it too. I don't know about you, but you know, when I'm shopping on Amazon or anywhere else anymore, what people have to say about a particular product uh, means a lot and i think we're going to see a lot more of that with you know there's several service providers out there now that matter of fact i saw uh, several of them advertise around the super bowl home light and these other uh, organizations that are basically saying hey let's you want to find out who's the best real estate professional in the area um here's a collection of and, uh, and uh, of us amassing that information so i think there's going to be some uh, not only understanding our own the value that we bring, but I think we're going to have to be, um, like I said, cognizant and aware of all the other channels where our brands uh, will be displayed and commented upon um, throughout the, uh, throughout the internet world. Aaron, you've talked
0: about the, the change that's been happening in the industry. And I know that our recreational market has sure seen a decline in certain segments of the country. Uh, what do you see happening with the outdoorsman in your neck of the woods
1: well we get a pretty good vantage point uh from it since you know we we service 33 different states in our in our business and it's pretty it's pretty interesting just following you know um some of the statistics that have have come up you know u.s fish and wildlife uh came out here recently and back in december and they were commenting about, you know, that we've reached an all-time high in the number of hunters in the United States in 1982, which was at 17 million. And this past year, we had about 15 million hunters across the United States. And um, the sad truth is that um, it's the elder population of hunters is exiting the hunting world faster than we're replacing them with with our, our youth who are getting into hunting. So it's something that, you know, we need to be able to pay attention to. South Dakota uh, recently reported over the past six years, they've had a decline in the number of waterfowl hunters from what was 25,000 down to just over 12,000. So we've seen, a, a, they've seen a, a tremendous number of people who have um, just not showing the interest in hunting like they like they have, and so at the same time we've seen these uh, emerging industries such as industrial hemp, you know, which uh, really was um, new to me uh, about this time last year, and seeing how much um, just that one industry is is changing and evolving, so. Yeah, it's it's just uh those are those are things that I think are important for us to pay attention to, especially those of us who are in the recreational market, uh recreational real estate world. And um you know, it doesn't mean that the the hunting world is 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 on its deathbed by any means. I'm an avid hunter and uh but I think we've got to pay attention and understand you know what the what the numbers are sharing with us so that we can make adjustments accordingly.
0: Well, yeah, we definitely do need to make those adjustments. And one thing I was talking to the Oklahoma RLI chapter about just recently, I was doing a recreational real estate class down there, and we were talking about the changes that have happened in the industry. And so while the the statistics may be going down in certain parts of the country, uh, we're also seeing these new emerging markets, like you did mention with the hemp, Aaron. And one thing we were talking about was uh, we've seen – you know, what would we think be a hunting property and it would sell for somebody wanting to do a, a zipline course across some rivers and some canyons. And there was a, a broker in the Oklahoma chapter that was talking about that. And there was another one talking about uh, some of the ATVing, ATV courses that people have uh, been setting up on what would have been a, a typical hunting property. And so while the numbers are going down, it's not too discouraging to me because I see these new- Markets emerging, and that's the one thing I would just encourage our listeners is to really kind of think about what's the highest and best use of this property. It may no longer be hunting. It may be something uh, that is just starting to take off, like glamping. You know, where people are paying thousands of dollars a week to go do
1: glamorous camping in the mountains. Yeah, and you know, I got in this business, like I said, in 2004, and recreation. The term recreational real estate wasn't even a common phrase or term at that time and we saw the hunting industry the hunting land business uh grow exponentially over the over the past you know 10-15 years and exactly to your point what i continue to encourage people to think about understand is uh, all of these you know hundreds of thousands of acres that have been transacted over that last decade for specifically for hunting are going to find a place of value and uh, in a lot of ways, that's exciting, you know, that people are going to um, recognize that they still want 100 acres in the woods or 100 acres in the country. It just may not be for the same reasons that really drove uh, those particular tracks in the last uh, 15 or so years. So I'm with you. I think there's a lot of exciting um, new opportunities and recreation um, that are going to be evolving that uh, people are going to find just a, a, just as much, if not more interest in in doing. And it's going to be up to us to help uh, market to them in the right way and, and connect them with those types of properties that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, for the listeners that would like to learn a little bit more about this, Aaron is going to be one of the guest speakers at the national land conference in san antonio texas and that's going to be from march 29th through april 1st and if you'd like to learn more about that and the future of the land brokerage i would strongly encourage you to go to rliland.com and under the events tab you can register for the national land conference and uh, you can see Aaron and you can learn more about what we can expect to see coming our way with the future of the land business. Um, Aaron, do you have anything else for kind of food for thought here wrapping up for our listeners?
1: No, I'm excited to uh, present in San Antonio. And, um, you know, I think it's what, what we kind of talked about today and what what I shared is, like I said, it can be a little bit scary and thought um, to kind of think down that way. But. I think it's a benefit to us to kind of understand everything that's going on around us in our industry, and the changes that are happening at lightning speed, and um, we can uh, we can learn from each other um, to better ourselves so that uh, we can, you know, like I said, continue to to uh, survive and thrive through this decade of disruption.
0: Well, that's that's a good way to say it: survive and thrive. And uh, definitely going to be a decade of disruption, but. I look forward to those of us that are working together to stay ahead of it.